Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Children of the Light, would you stick with me for just a few more minutes? Children of the Light. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks to his disciples, actually talks to a whole group of people, and he starts to explain to them things about the end of times and the end of what's coming. And boy, if you read Matthew 24 through 26, you're just like, whoa. I mean, wars and rumors of wars and all these things are going to happen. And he's painting this picture of things that are tough now, but they're going to get a whole lot worse. I'm going to summarize those three chapters and really Matthew 24 into two things. Jesus says it's going to be bad and no one knows when this is going to happen. How many of you know at least let me know when it's coming so I can prepare for it, right? It's going to get bad. No one knows what will happen. And so the question I had is how do we respond to times we are in and to what is coming? And if you were to summarize Jesus' instructions to His people, knowing that things are going to get worse, it's watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. But be ready for what? How do we prepare? And how is it we actually get ready? What are we getting ready for? In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul uses a metaphor of light and darkness. The reason I felt like I am supposed to, and I'd be fine not preaching, I think, God's done enough here this morning already, but this theme keeps coming up of light and darkness, and God's on something here. Paul uses this metaphor, and I'll read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He's just repeating what Jesus said. You don't know when it's going to happen. Don't worry about when, but be ready. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, who's a brother and a sister? A brother and a sister is anybody who believes in Jesus. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. Are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep. That word asleep kept coming up. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. There are moments in times of turmoil when people will be declaring peace and safety. Those are the ones that are going, it's not so bad. Really, it's fine. Just ignore these things that are happening. It's going to be fine. It's it's the ostrich that buries their head in the sand and goes, everything's fine here, right? There are plenty that will proclaim peace and safety in times of turmoil. And the messages that you'll hear from these people is that everybody goes to heaven. 
Eventually, Jesus is just going to clean everyone's slate so you can live however you want to now because Jesus will just erase it all in the end. Everyone gets to heaven. It's, it's all grace with no justice. And these people will begin to look for peace in other things. When they see things begin to get worse, they proclaim peace, but they're not finding peace, and so they'll try to find peace in something else. Not realizing that peace has got a hook in it. Just like a fish looks at this great little piece of bait and goes, that looks nice. and didn't realize there's a hook in it. The world's peace has a hook in it. Jeremiah prophesied about dark times coming. This is what he said. He said, this is what the Lord says. Cries of fear are heard. Terror, not peace. Ask and see. Can a man bear children? Boy, is that a different question these days than it was in Jeremiah's time. That was one of those questions. It was like, of course not. Now we're like, um. Can you understand the darkness we live in when that's an actual question now? Then why do I see every strong man with hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Every face turning deathly pale. How awful that day will be. No other will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. So Jesus tells us that we are to watch and be ready. Paul tells us we are to be a children of a child of light, not a child of darkness or a child of the day. So what is it that's a children of light? What are the children of light? Who are they? Children of light are Christians with Jesus in their hearts, in a heart that's fully surrendered to Him. Whereas a child of darkness or someone that's living at night or someone that's asleep, all of these metaphors that he's using, is someone who is living apart from Jesus. They may even be Christians, but who have not yet fully surrendered their heart to Him. And they're still living in darkness. I remember before we moved into our house, we've been in our house almost 20 years now, and uh, I got a chance before we moved in, we closed on the house on Valentine's Day 2003, and Liam was born March 29th, 2003, so I had like this two-week two window to get in the house, to redo all the floors, and to paint the whole house. And I was working full-time at the time, so I had this great plan. I'll get off work at 5 o'clock, which is a joke because it was usually 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and um, I'll come over to the house, and it's wintertime, so it's dark at 5 o'clock, and I'll spend all night painting, and then at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'll drive home, shower, get some coffee, and then go to work. And so I did this for a couple of days. And I remember I had to paint the ceiling. By the way, no letter. You ever painted your house and gotten a quote for it, and the quote came back, and you're like, forget it, I'm doing it myself. And then you get two days into it, and you're like, that's why it costs so much. I'm sure we can sell something to get somebody else to paint this house. But because I was painting at night, I would, I would paint the ceiling, and I had a roller, um, and so I would paint the ceiling, and then I would put, like, I remember thinking, I know I'm supposed to put two coats of paint on this, but I'll be darned if I'm not the world's greatest painter. <laughs> this ceiling looks amazing. I have not missed a spot. 
with one coat, I got this entire thing. And I had like the giant floodlights and everything that were in there. And I'm like, this ceiling is perfect. How much money am I going to save? Because I only have to put one coat on the whole house. And I'd go home. I get to go home early. So I went home at 3 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock. Got a good two hours worth of sleep. And, and then I, I, I would come back at lunchtime and check in on it. And I went, someone has been in this house. And they have messed up my ceiling because there are streaks all over this ceiling. There's nothing but missed spots everywhere. Is there a demon in this household that erases my beautiful nighttime work? No. The reality is nothing exposes the areas that you've missed like natural daylight. See, at night with the artificial lights, I was darn sure I covered every possible thing that was in there. But when it was exposed to the sunlight, when the sun came up, I realized that the things I did in darkness were not quite as thorough as I thought they were. Because light exposes the areas of our own hearts that we thought we were good, but we've been living in darkness. I know that sometimes the worshipful environment that we have is a very difficult environment to come into. And it's not difficult because it's so serious and heavy and can we have a happy clappy song? But I know that when you enter into the presence of God, there's something that it does to your heart. It exposes the areas of your heart. That's a difficult process. I remember somebody that came into our church once when we were still pretty young and pretty small, and, and they walked in and felt the presence of God so strongly, and this person came back and told me, they said, I knew the moment that I walked in the door, and this was a person who was a very accomplished musician, worship leader, producer, all that sort of stuff, and he walked into that presence having led worship in front of thousands before but walked into this environment where there's just a couple people on the stage and a couple of people in the crowd, but with fully surrendered hearts. And such a powerful presence of God. He said, I knew the moment I walked in, I had two choices. I could either humble myself or I could leave. And I said, so what'd you pick? He said, I'm still here, aren't I? I said, good, good for you. But I understand the pressure that when the light shines into your heart to go, it's easier just to go back to darkness. It's easier to go back to the place where I can hide in the smoke and the lights and the production and the, the, the beautiful building and all the friendly people and the great coffee. It's easier for me to hide because I can be in that environment and still be somewhat living in darkness. And yet He's called us to be children of the light. The church in all ages should live in anticipation of Jesus' imminent return. All ages. Do you know that when Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, they were sure Jesus was going to come back within their lifetime. They just knew it. And I think every generation since then has probably thought that, as people say now, if there's the most common question we got in COVID, was probably, do you think Jesus is coming back soon? That's what this is about. And I just go... I don't know. In fact, he told us we wouldn't know, but every generation since he was here have asked the same question. But I do know, I better be ready. Belonging to the day means that we see things 
clearly. We're not painting in the dark by artificial light. We're painting in the noonday sun where we can see what we've missed and where we still have some work to do. It's not just seeing things the way we want to see them. It's seeing things as they really are. It's seeing the world as it really is. We're not living in the night where people can't see. We're not hiding our own deeds from others, hoping the Lord can't see them. Intimacy is what breeds that level of clarity for us. The closer we walk with Jesus, the clearly we see th- the more clearly we see things. Does that make sense? It's why I encouraged our men to have this walk of intimacy over these three days of fasting. It's because intimacy breeds clarity. I will see things the way they really are if I'm walking with the one who is the only one that can lift the veil from my eyes. I want to see what Jesus sees. i got to tell you, living in the light doesn't mean that I listen to the right podcast. It doesn't mean that I follow the right Bible reading plan or that I watch the right news or that I listen to the right people. I can't be the light for you. Romy can't even be the light for you. You have to walk in His light. The only way you will see the world for what it really is and be able to sense and read the times is by walking in intimacy with Jesus yourself. And I believe this is a year of testimony that people are going to share. I heard God for myself. And so our prophetic words, we had to teach people this in the early days of doing this. Listen, this is not a chance for you to share something you heard somebody else say that sounded great. We want to hear what the Lord has spoken to you for our church. Those things are all good. I'm the biggest podcast listener. Like I love listening and reading and studying. But in this moment, we want to help you learn to hear from God from yourself and share with us what He's got for the church. That's what living in the light means. It means you can hear God for yourself and obey Him at every step. Romans 8.14 tells us, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God of God. Intimacy breeds clarity. And so it does. Our faith then is very simple. It's our willingness to do whatever He asks next. My faith is measured by my willingness to do whatever God asks me to do next. For walking as children of light, Walking in intimacy and unity with Him. We'll see that He has been there more than we could ever imagine. If we live as children of light, we're not just going to see how dark the world is, but we will see that there has never been a better time in the history of of mankind to preach the gospel than right now. That's what God opens your eyes to. He doesn't just open your eyes to expose the darkness. He opens your eyes to show you that now is the day of salvation. Now is the year of the Lord's favor. I was in court last week or two weeks ago. I was there for somebody else. It wasn't for me. And uh, they wanted me to go along with them. And so we were in court. And then it was, it was probably, we were supposed to be there at 8.15 and it got to be about 10 o'clock, and my friend's court case hadn't come up yet. 
and they had a bomb threat. So the judge comes up and goes, I'm sorry, we have to exit the building. There's been a bomb threat, which apparently is quite a common occurrence at the Virginia Beach Courthouse. And so we filed out and, you know, went across the road and got some food. And this is before the fast. Went across. That's why it wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. That's right. And, and we got some food, and we're just kind of hanging out. Had to wait several hours to get back in. Well, when court cases are coming up at different times in the day, people sort of come for their particular time. But when everybody has to go out, and then they open the building back up, now everybody's trying to get in the building at one time and go through the same two little rinky-dink metal detectors that you have to go through to get to the courthouse. And so there's this massive line outside the courthouse. And so as we lined up to get into the courthouse, there's a guy fairly well-dressed, but he starts preaching the gospel. And he's going up and down the line. And here's what he's saying. You are all here to receive judgment. Judgment for your sins. All of us deserve judgment. And I'm just like, oh, no. That's my natural reaction. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life. You can have forgiveness of your sins. You can repent right now and do what pleases God instead of living for yourself. And this guy's going on and on. And the person behind me goes, unless you're going to pay my bills, you need to shut the F up. And normally in that kind of an environment, you think the whole crowd would be like, yeah, boo, be quiet. There was not one amen of what that guy behind me said. But I watched people and I looked around and realized everyone here is walking in this building to be judged. These are all people who are going in for a court case, maybe some innocent, some guilty. But what a fragile moment in someone's life to start to contemplate the choices that you've made in life. To really think about, where is my life going? And yet here this guy is, and then we listened to him for probably 15 or 20 minutes because it was a long wait. And I was expecting to be a fire and brimstone and like, dude, you're hurting us. Go away. You're hurting the cause, buddy. You're not helping. But yet everything this guy's saying was truth. And I watched the look on people's faces. They could hear the shut the F up guy behind me, but they just looked straight ahead. And I could see that every word coming from this guy's mouth was cutting very deep. And I listened intent. Look, everyone else is looking straight ahead, and I'm the one that's making dead eye contact with the guy that's speaking, you know. So I was thinking he's going to be like, oh, here's a willing audience. But no, he just kept working the line up and down, not shouting, not not anything weird or whatever, not there's anything wrong with weird, but just speaking truth in love. And I leaned over to the person next to me who I was with, and I said, what do you think about this? And they said, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm just trying to tune it out. I said, don't. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to the spirit that's coming from what he's actually saying. Because you know what? I wrote it off too. And I tried to tune it out. But there's something about the message of the gospel itself that has power. I said, what do you think about that guy? He goes, excuse my language. Is it okay to say that? He's got more balls than anybody else out here right now. Is that okay to say that? I just did. And I was like, 
Yeah, he does. Now, did this guy give an altar call and everybody got saved and he started a church and in intergalactic ministries? No. But I tell you what, everyone else, they got a seed planted into them. I listened to a man. Maybe it wasn't a man. Who knows? But I listened to a man who was walking as a child of light that understood how dark the times were for every single person walking in there, but had the perspective of heaven that now is the hour of salvation. Now is the time to preach the gospel. Now is the time that maybe they might open up and receive the love of God. And then the next thought that went, I bet he called in the bomb threat. I hope he didn't. Live as a child of light. How we respond to dark times reveals whether we are children of the light or just asleep. If you're building your supplies, if you've got your bomb shelter, if you and your family are figuring out how do I get property to separate myself from the rest of society and get my supply chain down and make sure I've got all my medicine and all my food and all my ammunition? and not thinking of how to preach the gospel in these times, you're living in darkness. I can stock up on food and still be a child of light. I can read the times and prepare for tougher times that are coming. But if I miss that now is the hour of salvation, then I will isolate myself in this time I'm the one with the bag with the cross on it. And they're going, help, I'm dying. And I go, well, sorry, we told you so. You're living in darkness. But in these hours of uncertainty and in these hours of I don't know what's coming next, and even in these hours of some proclaiming it's okay, it's not going to be that bad, we are children of light. We're not just children of light because we've seen the light. We're children of light because we bring the light to dark places. Don't take your light and hide it in a bushel, but put it on top of a mountain so that everyone can see it and give glory to God. We are the carers, the bearers of streams of living water that are flowing from us. Somebody told me yesterday, they said, I've got this idea for evangelism of just when you approach people, just tell them, do you realize that you are an image bearer of God? And you could hear that and go, but that'd be pretty weird if somebody said that. I tell you what, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, what? You are an image bearer, not a wrath sufferer. God created you to bear his image, to be his son. To be the light, to be a stream of living water for others. And it's not going to come from your natural gifting. It's going to come when you surrender your heart to Him. When you allow Him to expose the darkness that's in your own heart, let Him shine His light on it. Not so that you can suffer His wrath, because that's not why you were created, but so that you can enjoy His life. That's what we call revival. Children of light live in revival, but they're looking for an awakening. See, what happens is when you live in revival, 
When you, when you allow His light to shine in you and you live a life of repentance and forgiveness, you get around other people who do that, and then all of a sudden, something, oh man, something just happens, something gets created. Now instead of just this personal revival and isolation, there becomes a culture of revival. Maybe it's just a little small pocket here or a little small pocket there. It's why Jesus says, if two or more gather in my name, there I am in the midst. What does it mean to be in his name? It means I've surrendered my name and taken his name. I stopped living for myself and stopped letting him live in me. And when two of those people get together in his name, something happens. There's a tangible sense of the presence and now a culture of revival is restarted. So when they walk into your home, they go, what is this place? This is not a place of turmoil and strife. This is a place of life. That's a culture of revival. When a church begins to do that, that culture, that environment expands and gets even bigger. But when an awakening happens, the whole community is affected. We have personal revival so that we can create pockets of revival that creates a culture of revival so that the awakening can happen in our community. The darker it gets, the closer awakening is coming. There is a new awakening that's coming, and it's starting in our city. Do you understand? We are geographically, spiritually located in Hampton Roads because this is the place where the next great awakening will come from. And the fulfillment of a prophecy in 1607, in this very place, that from these shores, the gospel will go out. That west of here, everything is to the glory of God. It's already been declared. We will live in that now. It will be in the middle of dark times. Your life will get worse. Neighbors will die. Loved ones will die. Wars, rumors of wars, famine, food supply change. But there is an awakening that's coming. Why not here? Why not now? It's not going to be over the Internet. It's not going to be the other ministry that you follow somewhere else. Right here, awakening is coming. It requires children of light to stop hiding in darkness, to stop just making plans for you and your family. Make the plans, but live in revival. Pray for awakening of our nation, for surrendered hearts that will come to Him. As revivalists, we aren't waiting on the world to correct itself. We're not looking for the next president, representative, to fix things for us. Only God can do this. Children of light live in continuous revival. They watch and are ready for an awakening. They aren't waiting. They prepare themselves to hear and obey no matter what comes next. Their testimony is that, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, set the captives free. Come on. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. That's the testimony of the revivalist. Do you understand that? They don't walk around going, sure is getting dark and it's going to get darker. Better build a fence and a bunker too. No. Be mindful of how you speak over our world. 
Be mindful. How you speak over those that Jesus died for. Because when he looks at the world, he says, I love the world so much that I gave my son for it. Be careful we just don't state how things are in the natural. Before the earth was created, it said that God existed before creation. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And there was nothing but darkness except for the Spirit of God. It's imagine if God looked out over that darkness and went, Phew, sure is dark out there. It'd still be dark. Your words have power. But he looked at the darkness and he said, Let there be light. And the light shone. God looked at darkness and said, let there be light. I pray that we, as children of light, look at our world and say, let there be light. No more darkness. Let there be light. Heal our land. Heal our land. Heal the land we're living in. There's healing coming. Yes, there's darkness coming. But we don't speak darkness into darkness. We speak light into darkness. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you only because you first loved us. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. God, we were the world. And you loved us. You gave your Son for us, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Father, let your heart beat in me, that when I see the world, I see what you see. I see lost coming home. I see prodigal sons coming home. I see healed bodies. Thank you, God. I see those broken by systems. I see them broken by religious systems, broken by sin. You healed it all. You set captives free and the prisoners those who have suffered from the results of their own sin, and those who have been taken captive through no fault of their own. Both of them get set free in your kingdom. Both of them have a place at your table. Both of them have a place in your house and in your family. Thank you, God. I want to live as a child of light. Let your light shine through me. I welcome you in, Jesus. All of you, all of you in me. Thank you, God. You have all of me. Come on, make it your prayer this morning. You have all of me. You have all of me. You have all of me. Speak to your own heart, your own soul. David did it, you can do it too. Speak to your soul. Let there be light. Where there are dark places, where there's wounds, where there's been offense, where there's been injury, where there's been sin, speak to it. Let there be light. Because when light shines in darkness, darkness cannot understand it. It cannot overcome it. Darkness has no answer for light. The dimmest candle will lit the darkest room. Let there be light. 
And Father, in our world, let there be light. We're ready for the awakening. God, we're ready for the fulfillment of Hunt's prophecy. We're ready to play our part. We're ready to go when you say go. We're ready. God, we're up for whatever is next. I don't care what it is. I just care that I hear you clearly enough. Because the answer is already yes. It's already yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. He's good. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 